Welcome back to the Gobble Em Up podcast, an official podcast of the Fifth Quarter Network, presented by Duncan Mazda in Blacksburg. Now, here's your host, Carter Hill and Lance Weller. And hello, Hokies, and happy December to you. Welcome to episode 10 of the Gobble Em Up podcast a part of the 5th Quarter Sports Network and presented by Duncan Mazda in Blacksburg. Do you need a car, Mazda? Head on over to Duncan in Blacksburg. I drive a Mazda and I love driving around town. So if you need a Mazda, head on over to Duncan in Blacksburg, get you one over there. Take my word for it. You're going to love it. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other platform, thank you so much. And if you're on Apple or Spotify, please go ahead and subscribe and give us a rating. We would so greatly appreciate it. Paul Duncan is our producer here from the Goblin Up HQ. Lance Weller from Apex, North Carolina, still at home for break. My co-host is joining in, and I am Carter Hill, talking to you from Blacksburg, Virginia, here in the Goblin Up HQ. A windy and cold Blacksburg, Virginia, um, can, and very cold, Paul says, again, a contributor to fifth quarter. Uh, reminder to follow us on Twitter, at FQ Goblin Up is our podcast Twitter at FQ Virginia Tech is our main fifth quarter Virginia Tech Twitter. Lance's personal Twitter is at LanceWeller3, and mine is at CBHill underscore 03. All right, like I said, windy, cold week in Blacksburg. We just got off Thanksgiving, heading now into the holidays. Lance, let me hear about your Thanksgiving. How was it? Uh, it was pretty good. We didn't do much. We just kind of laid low at the house and had dinner with our family and stuff, but it was good. Watched uh the Washington football team beat the Cowboys so that was good Logan Thomas had a big day yeah and yeah just kind of hung out yeah absolutely Logan Thomas did have a big day that was fun to watch he's he's a pro bowl tight end he's he's climbing up the ranks so he's been fun to watch yeah. um, personally I I went across the state to the 757 hung out with some family socially distant of course and um, we were able to just kind of enjoy some time which was good to kind of get away um, I was in Williamsburg Virginia so my family and I walked around Colonial Williamsburg on Thanksgiving and then on the campus of actually William & Mary right there, which was kind of a cool little little walk to do down Duke of Gloucester Street and Market Square and was a nice little relaxing Thanksgiving. Had a lot of turkey. Um, I had a lot of fun watching some college basketball. I know Virginia Tech fans had a lot of fun watching some college basketball. Lance, what are your thoughts on the Hokies? 3-0, and big win over Radford, obviously the huge upset over Villanova and then uh, win over South Florida. Yeah, it was a really fun weekend for Tech basketball. Um, I mean, the Radford game, we looked, you know, a little iffy through the first half and kind of later into the game, but Kevy Luma looked really good against Radford, and then he continued that really good play against Villanova, and, yeah, just a really fun game. I mean, it didn't feel like we even played our best game versus Villanova. Jonas Sherwood, it seemed like. Beattie played well. Aline played really well, but... Yeah, I mean, we just play a really exciting brand of basketball, you know. I mean, firing up threes, we play seem to play really solid defense. Uh, I mean, I have no idea who our league scorer is going to be this year. I guess you could probably say Luma has a good chance to be our leading scorer, but it seems like it's just going to kind of be a different guy every night, which is exciting. Like Radford, you know, played really well against USF, was our leading scorer. Just seems to be a different guy. Uh, like you are saying, I mean, having a big – Post presence is nice. Now that we have three guys, if Ojiako can come back and uh, continue to develop too, that'd be four, you know, respectable guys down low, which it seems like forever since we've had that. So, yeah, trying to not get the hopes up too much because it's still early and who knows how good really anybody is, but definitely an exciting, exciting start to the season. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, eerily similar to, well, actually, early on it was eerily similar to last season where when we beat Michigan State and Maui. But the difference this year is we got blown out by Dayton last year and BYU to follow that up. And this year we, you know, South Florida certainly is not a – well, they were picked fifth in the American, but they almost lost an NAIA school to start the season. Yeah, I mean, so I don't know how good they really are. But, I mean, it, it's it's certainly good to follow up. Like, they, they, they Virginia Tech did what they were supposed to do. They they were favored by seven and a half. They easily covered that one by 18. I mean, mm-hmm. they did what they were supposed to do. But Yeah, I mean, to be fair, Dayton finished the top five team last year, and BYU was in, like, the top 20. So definitely a – big difference as far as the game the night after but yeah it's still a really impressive way to come out and dominate after a big emotional win the night before oh yeah absolutely and you know i early on before we kind of move on 
and uh, get to Kevin's thoughts about the Villanova game. We're kind of saving the Villanova thoughts just for him and just talking about the Hokies as a whole. Um, another thing I want to touch on is, you know, Darius Maddox was a very highly touted prospect, a big recruit, and Virginia Tech has not even needed him. He played two I minutes, know, I believe, yeah. against Radford, hasn't even needed him. So we'll see if somehow – I mean, off injury, isn't he? Didn't he t- – he had a pretty bad injury last year, didn't he? I think I think you're I think you're right about that. Yeah, I haven't. Paul, do you know about Darius Maddox coming off an injury? Uh, I don't know about that one. Don't know. Paul's our basketball guy. Yeah, he, he's gonna look it up for us real quick. He's got his computer open, so Paul, get, look at look the look that up for us, please, and let us know. But as we um kind of we're kind of digressing a little bit, I want to look back at Radford real quick. And Radford, you know, like we talked about with Mark Berman last week, is not what they were in years past. Um, they were picked. They were picked six in the Big South, so um, their leading score, re- their returning leading score, only averaged three points a game last year. So Radford's very unproven as well. Um, Virginia Tech and Radford played a fairly even first, maybe fifteen minutes, I would say, before Virginia Tech started to pull ahead. Um, I was kind of in and out of that game, so Lance, you may have some better thoughts about that. I was yeah, in the car. I was, yeah, I was kind of in and out too. I, to be, honest, I forget what I was doing, but uh, I only watched like the first half, I think. Paul said he can't find anything about an injury, but um, uh, is he apparently injured? He, I thought he went to Oak Hill last year and didn't play because, or maybe it was that the missing. I don't know. I don't see. Well, either way, I mean the you know the point is you know Darius Maddox was a very highly recruited prospect, and yeah. Virginia Tech doesn't even need him right now, so they may use take this year. I mean, there's not really a red shirt this year, but take this year, get him stronger, and be ready to come out. Uh, ready to go for his uh, yep. next few seasons because he should be pretty good under Mike Young. But, yeah, I mean, overall, I mean, quick thoughts about Villanova before we turn it over to Kevin Brown. He's going to have a better perspective. He was one of the very few at the game. Um, just very, very impressive. Not, I thought it was going to be a close game, but, you know, Villanova is an historic program. They've won two of the last four NCAA tournaments with the one last year not being played. Uh, they, they're they just an, an excellent program. They're well coached under Jay Wright. And, it's it's Mike Young. It's not like it's not like the Justin Fuente where like Jay Wright made a mistake in the game, but it's Mike Young just out coached him. It wasn't anything Jay Wright yep. did. I mean, he just out coached him, which was just awesome to see. It was cool in the press conference after to see him kind of take responsibility for something at the end of regulation. Which obviously, I mean, that's that's another thing I want to comment on. If you're a Virginia Tech, like to come back to win the game twice pretty much and to come back after you thought you've won the game at the end of regulation, you go to overtime, Virginia Tech could have folded. They could have been tired. They had lost. BD had just fouled out. You know, they, they were down guys. uh, Jada fouled out early in overtime. So, I mean, but they, they got off to the quick start with the Justin Mutz three, who I really like his game. He's fun to watch. Um, He was, Paul may be able to look this up too, but he may have been first team all CA last year um, in the colonial, but um, Paul may look, look that one up for us too, but no, I mean, just overall fantastic effort to beat Villanova, especially with the way it happened and the way it unfolded and to, to, to dominate overtime too. I mean, what, what was the score at the end of regulation? Was it 64, 64? I think so. Yeah. So that means we outscored them 17 to nine. Did we score 17 points in overtime? I think we did because they vowed a lot in the last minute. Yeah, yeah, you're right. They've had a lot in the last minute. But, no, definitely um, very, very fun to watch and very encouraging to see. I'm really excited to see where Mike Young can take this team. But um, you got any final thoughts before we turn it over to Kevin Brown? He may have some better uh, analysis than we do. No, not really. I think we summed up well. I'm excited to get Jalen coming back too. That should be good. Absolutely, yeah. And and the Hokies will – tip off this Thursday night. I don't know when we're releasing this podcast yet, whether I assume it'll be Thursday night. So um, in just a few minutes, then if that's the case, Virginia Tech's going to tip off against VMI 8 p.m. on the ACC network. Um, 
hopefully will be kind of a, not a, a sort of a get right game. I mean, they don't really need to get right game, but just kind of a game to get comfortable with themselves again, get back into rhythm, kind of keep the momentum going before the ACC big 10 challenge at castle when Penn state comes to town next Tuesday. So that'll, that'll be fun to see for sure. But uh, coming up next, Kevin Brown, who's the play by, who's a play by play announcer for college football and basketball on the ESPN networks is going to come on to talk his experience about Virginia tech Villanova. What did he see from the Hokies in that game? He was on the call on ESPNU with John Crispin, on 8 p.m. Saturday night. So if you know, you're know you wondering who that is, um, that is, uh, you'll recognize his voice for sure. He was he was awesome on the call and uh, you'll recognize his voice. He's, he's called a few Virginia Tech football and basketball games. Um, and then as well, he does the Baltimore Orioles play-by-play for MLB. So Kevin's going to hop on in a minute. You're listening to the Goblin Up podcast presented by Duncan Mazda in Blacksburg. Now ESPN play-by-play announcer Kevin Brown is going to hop on with us to talk Virginia Tech Villanova. Um, he called the game on ESPNU with John Crispin. He's also, for the baseball fans out there, uh, does some of the Orioles radio play-by-play. So, Kevin, thanks for uh, taking some time up in the bubble and hopping on. Hey, Carter, you're welcome. Good to be with you. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I want to kind of dive right into it. Before we get to Virginia Tech Villanova itself, because I know a lot of Tech fans are really interested to hear about that one. It was an exciting night. Um, can you kind of describe to me what is it like calling a game in the bubble? What's like the testing protocols like for you? What's the setup with like how you're, you know, spaced out with the, uh, you know, your analyst and then just kind of what's the setup up there in Mohegan? Yeah, it's different than anything I've ever done. Um, I arrived here on Friday morning and I was escorted to my room. And when I say escorted, I mean, I can't go anywhere without a literal security escort. Um, that's how safe the folks at Mohegan are being. I, go back and forth from the service elevators um, from my room to the court and vice versa. So I haven't seen the casino since the first day I was here. I haven't seen the main floor of the hotel. So I don't, I don't interact with the public at all. And it's the same with the players here. They are on their own floors. We are on our own floor with ESPN people. There is hotel security on the floor. So we can't get to the elevators if we wanted to. So I arrived Friday um, went up to my room, dropped off my bags, then went down for testing. After taking a COVID-19 test, went back to my room, and I couldn't leave until Saturday morning when that test came back negative and I was cleared. So we'll go down to uh, the court for shoot-arounds and then come back to our room and then go back down for games. The setup is in the Mohegan Sun Arena. You know, there is a traditional arena here. I'm on my own elevated platform about 25 feet back from the court my analyst, John Crispin, is on his own elevated platform, probably about 15 feet or so, maybe a little more away from me. So we each have our headsets, we each have a bank of monitors, and we have to wear our masks at all times until we're about to go on the air. And then at that point, it is very strange to take off your mask and be maskless in an arena full of people, but everyone in the arena is being tested regularly. All the players and coaches and staff members are tested before every game. I was just tested this morning, so we are tested every three days in here. Um, there are folks that are not at the tier one level that can't be on the floor. Um, that includes some members of the media who can't be on the floor, some members of radio broadcasts who have to be in the upper deck. So everything is very specifically delineated. And it is odd to be in a raised platform, not sitting next to your partner, but uh, that's okay if if that's the way it has to be this year, and I think it is. I'm just thrilled to be doing any college basketball. But yeah, this is a unique experience. So much of what we do is is in nonverbal communication, and John Crispin is somebody who will like like to nudge me or catch my eye for something, and it's hard to do that when we're 15 feet away. He's going to need a very long yardstick to do so the rest of the way. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's definitely interesting. I know you you talked about you were lucky enough to be able to keep calling games up there in Bubbleville. I know a lot of games are continuing to be scheduled and a lot of teams are flying up there, but um, I kind of want to dive into Virginia Tech Villanova. Um, just calling the game firsthand, you're one of the few to see Virginia Tech in person. Describe your thoughts on seeing the Hokies in person. What do they do well? What are things you notice? Just can you kind of talk about anything you picked up that maybe it may be hard to see on TV? Yeah, uh, it's a great question. And, and I will say first and foremost that, man, I just, I loved watching them. It was really a, a, 
It was a fun game. I think it's an attractive blend of basketball they play. You know, with what we saw from them last year, we kind of expected them to to try to match Villanova three for three, and and they really didn't necessarily do that. One thing that that stands out to me. This is going to sound silly, and and like this is going to sound so obvious. I get it, but. I'm just not used to seeing a team with that many left-handed players. And I think it is a little unsettling for defensive players. I know this is not rocket science. And like people are saying, well, okay, all you have to do is just shift the way you defend. But this game is played at such a pace now. And, and Virginia Tech has the ability to, to move into the paint and drive at such speed. Uh, I, I think so much of basketball and so much of basketball defending is instinctual and I think it, it kind of throws off your game when the team you play is just filled with left-handers especially early on it didn't seem like some of the Villanova players were prepared for Naheem Aline to to be left-handed or for you know Cartier Jotter some of these players to to attack the paint the way they did with the left hand Tyrese Radford the same and I just that fraction of a step when there's so much speed and skill in the game I, I think can make a difference now, like as the league goes on and as they play more games and as teams see them, I, I think that won't be an issue. But early in the season, Villanova team that's a little bit exhausted playing its third game in four days that basically went about five and a half men deep. I think that kind of stuff does matter. You know, I, I think physically, maybe folks can see this on TV, but just looking at the teams physically, I thought Villanova had a big physical advantage. They're a little bit wider, thicker, stronger, just more, more built bodies. But I was surprised and impressed at how well Virginia Tech held up. Obviously, the heights are, are one thing to start, you know, a 6'1 player, a 6'2 player, a 6'3 player. Um, and then they add the second big with Mutz is 6'7. I mean, Villanova had a, had a pretty major height advantage. But I was impressed at how well Virginia Tech physically held up and – I don't know if it comes through on TV just how hard they play under the basket and just how much of a fight Mutz and Aluma and, and Pemsel bring to every possession. They really play hard. I think the depth of this team matters this year. You know, as, as Hokey fans know, like they weren't going 10 deep in games last season. And we talked to Mike Young a little bit, and he feels like that's going to let him do some different things. They have the ability to to maybe be a little bit more physical this year because of that. But I, I wasn't quite prepared for the physicality that we got from them. And, and I leave impressed at the way they hung with a mature and physical team in Villanova that's you know older than them, even with the experience that tech players have at other schools. I think Villanova is still a more experienced team by and large. And, and Virginia Tech didn't beat them by just bombing away from threes. They held up physically, and, and that really impressed me from the opening minutes. Yeah, and I think you touched on it. I think it's really interesting to see, and it's it's different as a Virginia Tech fan to see the Hokies have size down low. Um, I was listening to a, a Tech Sideline podcast the other day, and they were talking about how um, a few years ago, you know, when Kerry Blackshear would always get two fouls in the first 10 minutes, and he would go out, and Tech had no size behind him. And now this year they got, you know, Aluma, Ojiako if he comes back, yep. um, Cordell Pemsel. So um, they, they got a lot down low. Another question I kind of want to ask you is, you know, you, you touched on it's early. I mean, Tech beat Michigan State last year early. They finished 500, which was a little bit better than people expected. Um, it has depth like it has – it's never had depth before like we just talked about. But in your opinion, early on in the season, where do you think this Virginia Tech team is heading? It's hard for me to say, and, and I don't want to make up an answer and, and sound like I know what everybody else in the ACC is doing because I, I haven't seen most of the league. Um, right. we, we've been here in the bubble focused on who's here. I've seen Boston College. I think Virginia Tech's better than Boston College. But, hey, they were picked to finish ahead of Boston College, so that's not a surprise. But I, I just haven't seen enough yet of the rest of the league to know. But just purely from watching them against Villanova in person and, and from watching them against South Florida, I will be surprised if they finish 11th. I think okay. they are a better team than that. I think they're a team that can handle losses this year. Wabisa Beattie fouls out and Cartier Jada comes in and, and I mean, he gave them such tremendous minutes. Uh, if Keve Aluma were to get into foul trouble, you have Mutz. 
You have Pemsel. There are guys that can score off the bench. Hunter Couture really barely played in the second half of the game, and and it was just a game where they didn't necessarily miss him. And they've done this all without Jalen Cohn, or as you mentioned, Ojiago. I think this team is, again, very, very early on. Um, I, I think this team is going to be in the NCAA tournament conversation all year. I, I mean, just looking at who they have, the rest of the non-conference, Penn State home, and then three quote-unquote bye games, all should be winnable. And then you get into the ACC, probably with an undefeated non-conference record, 7-0. The Villanova wins a great win. The South Florida win could end up being a quad two win. It's a neutral court game. And I don't know how good Penn State's going to be this year. Maybe that's a quad two situation as well. But it ends up with the Villanova game being a mix of some competitive games. And then, you know, those bye games at home you expect to win. And I expect them to win all those. And yeah, I, I think they'll be in the conversation all year. I Again, it's too early for me to say if they'll make it. But I think a team that deep, I think a team with that many possibilities, you know, a team that can win down low, a team that can win games shooting threes, a team that can win games off its bench. I, I just think this is a year where you're going to need to make adjustments all the time, and you might miss guys who are out with COVID-19. You might miss guys due to contact tracing. And you might miss guys due to injuries because of a shortened preseason. There could be an influx of injuries, which, you know, coming from the world of baseball, we saw that this year. Uh, so I think the extra depth, more specifically this year than any other year, is going to play a big part in Virginia Tech season. And I expect them to to be in the conversation at a bare minimum. Absolutely, for sure. And I know you have to head off to shoot around in a minute, but I just want to slip one more quick one in for you if you can answer quickly. Sure. But um, I know – People on TV or people at home couldn't really see what happened, but you being in person, what happened at the end of regulation um, with the overturning of the call? And I mean, I, personally, I mean, I was scrolling through Twitter. I was going crazy. My phone was blowing up and I look over and I see Cartier Jada with his hands over his head and Villanova's at the free throw line. So if you can kind of uh, explain what happened there, that probably would clear up some stuff for tech fans. Well, I don't entirely know what happened either, but here's the best I could do. So obviously there's a foul called... Um, which initially the far side official had as a foul against Justin Moore. Now, the officials got together. They did not actually go to the monitor review. It looked at one point, I think we said this, it looked like one of the officials was going to the monitor, but that is a non-reviewable play. So I think the official was just going over to the scorer's table to tell the scorer what the call was. The officials get together. And it was determined that one of them just kind of had a brain freeze and pointed the wrong way. Live, it absolutely looked like the official, and I can't remember exactly which one it was, so I don't want to get his name wrong. But live, it looked like the, the official absolutely had it as a foul against Justin Moore and Virginia Tech ball. It didn't look like there was any hesitation. Normally when an official screws up and points the wrong way, Either he'll blow his whistle and wave his hands and realize it and point the other way, or another official will run in. That didn't happen, though, and that's why Jay Wright went so incensed because at first he saw the whistle and he figured, well, we got the foul call. Then after a few seconds, he realized the officials weren't changing the call and the Villanova sideline went nuts. That's when the officials all huddled together. They talked about it. There's probably input from the other two officials at that point, and the call gets reversed. And, you know, the call was reversed, oddly for us, the poor timing. We were in a replay. So we come out of the replay and Justin Moore shooting free throws. And that probably confused folks just to go behind the curtain a little bit. Um, John Crispin's my analyst in the game. John was talking about the play and in the middle of a thought. So I didn't want to just jump in and cut him off and say, hang on, Justin Moore's about to shoot, right? <laughs> Let him finish the point. And then once he was done... I was ready to say, okay, now they've reversed the call. But at that point, we had come back from replay. So a little jarring to folks, once, you're, once you decide to roll a replay, you typically don't cut right out of it unless there is like live action, live ball action. But we cut out of the replay, and there's Justin Moore at the free throw line. And you know, eagle-eared listeners could have heard in the background the PA announcer saying, okay, that's now a foul against 
um, was it Aluma? I can't even remember Mutz who committed Maybe Mutz, I think. I think yes. it was Mutz. Yeah, here's a foul against Mutz. His ex personal foul. It confused us too um, because there was never a, a point where the official actually pointed in the other direction. There was a point toward Virginia Tech. Jay Wright goes crazy. The officials discuss, and then they just hand the ball to Moore and send him over to the other side. Also, by the way, at the end of regulation. Justin Moore shoots a one-on-one with Villanova up one, about 10 seconds to go. He misses the free throw, and that's when Virginia Tech comes down. Aluma has the three-point play. That should have been a two-shot foul, which the book had wrong. Our score bug had 10 fouls. It was a 10-foul situation. It should have been a two-shot foul. And... I was about to say that on the air, but I second guess myself. If you go back and watch the game, you'll hear me say, this is a, and I pause because the players jump into the lane. And then I said, one in one situation. And I sound like I don't know what I'm talking about, which fairly happens sometimes, but (laughs) I was convinced it was a two shot foul because it was a two shot foul. But the PA announced the ninth foul as the ninth foul and then announced the 10th foul as the ninth foul moments later so justin moore should have actually shot a second free throw and you you know we can't go back and change it maybe Moore shoots the second free throw he hits it it's a two-point game maybe the play changes Uh, who who knows butterfly effect and all that but yeah justin moore should have shot two free throws so there was just a whole lot of weirdness at the end of that game Oh yeah, it certainly sounds like it. Well, I'll let you hop off and head to shoot around. Sorry to keep you around, but uh, that's Kevin Brown, ESPN play-by-play. He's on the call for Virginia Tech Villanova. Kevin, thanks so much for stopping by. Carter, you're welcome. Good to talk to you. That was Kevin Brown from ESPN talking to Virginia Tech Villanova. Great analysis from him and awesome to kind of talk about that firsthand. Um, before we do move on to football this weekend, let's give some love to Virginia Tech Women's Hoops and Kenny Brooks. They start the season off 2-0. Good start for the Hokies. By the time this podcast is out, hopefully they'll be 3-0. They tip off with George Washington Tuesday at 5 p.m. on the ACC Network Extra. But by then, hopefully they're 3-0. They'll follow that up next Friday, or excuse me, this Friday actually, against App State and Castle. And we'll host Gardner-Webb on on, t- on Sunday, December 6th at 2 p.m. Those games will both be featured on the ACC Network Extra. So, yeah, I mean, big love to Virginia Tech Women's Hoops. You know, they, they start started the year off the way they should. Um, you know, they got two great players in Asia Shepard and Elizabeth Kitley who um, were, you know, they're – they're on high alert for ACC teams. They they were uh, highly regarded coming into the year preseason ACC first team. Um, they they they're just were fantastic. Uh, Kayla King had three three pointers in the first quarter um, for the Hokies and their their win over Liberty. Um, they took down. I guess I should mention who they they beat. Um, they took down Richmond to kick off the season eighty five to sixty four. Followed it up on Saturday. Defeating Liberty and Castle Coliseum, eighty-one to sixty-six. Good start for Virginia Tech women's basketball. Um, like I said, George Washington, App State, Gardner Webb before they open up play with Pittsburgh on Thursday, December tenth. Um, that'll be on at Castle Coliseum. You can find that one on the ACC Network Extra as well. So um, should be a good year for Virginia Tech women's hoops, like we previewed the other night. Um, I'm just looking forward to seeing, you know, I really hope they get to the NCAA tournament like they should. I mean, they should have gotten their last year. There been no COVID maybe in the, in the running for a, a good run uh, in the tournament. So uh, tough to see them not be able to play it. But um, you got any thoughts on Hokies women hoops, women's hoops? Yeah. Hopefully they have an exciting season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, Georgia and Ward can't, can't forget about her either. I mean, she's replacing Taja, Taja Cole at the point and the freshman from Australia has looked fantastic. So um, big love to Virginia Tech women's hoops. They'll look to take care of business on Friday night against Appalachian State on the ACC Network Extra from Castle Coliseum. Well, coming up next, it's football time. Start jumping. Virginia Tech Clemson in Lane Stadium Saturday night, primetime game, 7.30 p.m., Clemson beat writer Matt Connolly from the state newspaper in Columbia, South Carolina. He's going to hop on with us and preview Virginia Tech men's ba- Virginia Tech Clemson football. You're listening to the Gobble Up Podcast presented by Duncan Mazda in Blacksburg. Oh. 
here on the Goblin Up Podcast. We are now joined by Matt Connolly, who writes for the state newspaper in Columbia, South Carolina. He covers Clemson football. He's going to help preview the Hokies and Clemson this upcoming Saturday. Matt, thanks for coming on and taking some time. Yeah, no problem. Thank you all for having me. Oh, absolutely. Um, first question we got for you, um, this is kind of a hot topic with Virginia Tech fans, but um, is Clemson going to blow Virginia Tech out like many people think they will? I think it probably depends on how Virginia Tech plays. Um, I know they, they've struggled some recently. You know, I do, I do think this isn't probably the best Clemson team that Dabo has had. Um, the offensive line has four new starters, and it's been kind of a work in progress this year. And Justin Ross being out for the year at receivers hurt them, although they've had some guys step up there. Uh, defensively, they've had a lot of injuries that they've had to overcome. So I don't think this is – this is necessarily Dabo's best team and, and a really dominant Clemson team, but I also know Virginia Tech hasn't been playing great. So I don't know. I think it'll probably depend on which Virginia Tech team shows up. Right, absolutely. And I kind of want to follow up with that. And I, I was reading some of um, Coach Sweeney and Coach Elliott's comments earlier, I guess today uh, maybe, or Monday for people listening later, but uh, on Monday. And um, I saw that he said that they were excited to get up to Blacksburg and Tony Elliott had talked about how um, was kind of describing some defensive uh, deficiencies for Virginia Tech. Um, what is there? And I know they've played Virginia Tech in some battles recently, you know, with ACC championship in 2016 and, and 2011 and um, game day in Blacksburg in 2017. What's their perception on this game? You know, what what type of Virginia Tech team do you think they're going to get and how hungry do you think they're going to be to play after the Florida State debacle and then um, obviously blowing out Pitt last week? Yeah, I think they have a lot of respect for, for Virginia Tech's program and Justin Fuente and the job that he's done. Um, you know, I think they, they kind of understand that Virginia Tech's been up and down this year. Um, I know offensively Brent Venables was talking a lot about Hooker and how good he is and, and uh, you know, what a threat he is running the ball. Um, they, they, I think, have a lot of respect for Virginia Tech and, and really think it'll be a battle if they don't show up ready to come so or ready to play. So, I, I you know, I think uh, – Overall, they they uh, they think really highly of the Virginia Tech program and the job that Fuente's done down there. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, kind of a two-part question, offensively and defensively. Um, Virginia Tech's defense has been very up and down this year under first-year first defensive coordinator Justin Hamilton. What are they going to have to do to stop Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne? And then on the flip side, what is – I mean, when I was at the Clemson-Virginia Tech game in 2017, Clemson was just speedy defensively watching them in person. I assume they haven't changed with how much success they've had. Um, what 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 is each side of the ball um, for Virginia Tech going to have to do to be able to prevent um, what most people think is going to happen in this one? Yeah, so Clemson, well, I'll start defensively. Um, they're not as good up front this year. They've had their best, uh, best defensive end has kind of been battling COVID protocol all year, so he hasn't played all year. Justin Foster, so that's hurt some. Then they had another starting defensive end who uh, actually left before the season to begin an acting career, uh, Logan Rudolph. So up front, they haven't been great. Tyler Davis is a really good uh, sophomore defensive tackle they have, and, and Miles Murphy and Brian Brazier are a couple of really good freshman defensive linemen. So, you know, they're good up front. I think they'll be really, really good in the next couple of years. But right now, I wouldn't say they're necessarily dominant. Um, the back seven is when, where they've been really good, particularly in the secondary. And they've had three new starters uh, there, but but they really haven't lost a beat. You know, they had their top two corners out against Pitt this past weekend and a really good Pitt passing attack. And uh, Pitt, Kenny Pickett all four times, three times in the first quarter and, and really never let him get going. So their secondary is really good. Um, and then, you know, offensively, obviously a, a lot of teams have made it a you know, a priority to stop Travis, and they've done a pretty good do- job with that. Um, he hasn't had the year I think a lot of people thought he would, and some of that is due to having four new starters on the offensive line, but Clemson's doing a good job of getting him the ball in the passing game, getting him the ball in space. Um, he's got the most receiving yards ever for a Clemson running back in a season. Um, and so, you know, and, and then that receiver, it's really two guys who have been carrying the load, Amari Rogers and Cornell Powell are – Far and away, Clemson's two best receivers this year. Uh, Powell was a is a fifth year senior who hasn't done a ton in his career until this year, and all of a sudden he's he's got three straight 100 yard games. He's really been playing well lately. So those are a couple of names to watch out for um, on the offensive side, other than Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne. 
Right, absolutely. And I, I do want to ask you a question, actually, not about the Virginia Tech game necessarily, but um, I think a lot of people they know the talk of, the co- of college football, and now especially it's magnified with um, – Florida State, Virginia this past weekend, but obviously Dabo has kind of made himself known what he feels about Clemson, Florida State. But um, I want to get you know your your thoughts on well, not your thoughts, but um, hearing from a Clemson writer himself, um, what is the overall sense with the players too and the program of what happened with Clemson, Florida State? Yeah, I think it was a lot of frustration for sure. Um, I, I was actually down in Tallahassee and getting ready to cover the game when, uh, you know, the news kind of broke. So I think I think it was just frustrating for them that they made the trip and gone all the way down there, you know, were ready to play the game, and and uh, it ended up getting canceled or, or postponed at this point. So, you know, I think part of it is that there are so strict protocol, protocols that Clemson put in place uh, to, to be followed so that if they had a player test positive on Friday, they would be able to still play the game. And so – you know, the face shields and the masks that they wear on the plane and, and social distancing throughout um, the trip. And they they put a big, huge tent up in the parking lot of the hotel just so that they could do meetings and meals out there so they wouldn't be closer together. So I think the frustrating thing on Clemson's end was that they did all these things so that if they had a positive test on Friday, they could still play the game. Um, and then the game was still canceled. So, you know, definitely a, a frustrating uh Afternoon for Clemson, morning for Clemson. Um, been a frustrating week, I think, and, and they took a little bit of that out on Pitt, scoring the most points they've ever scored in the first quarter of a game. I think it was 31 against Pitt. So I think that was taking out a little frustration. Um, but, yeah, certainly uh, certainly not 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 friends right now, um, Clemson and Florida State, that's for sure. Yeah, that would be maybe a fun rivalry to, to watch over the next couple of years. I don't know how close the games will be, but um, should be fun. But no, I, I was thinking about the morning. Uh, I woke up and checked my phone and saw that Clemson and Florida State weren't playing. You know, I, I thought about Clemson, the, the team, but I also thought about the fans and the writers that went down there. And, yeah. um, you know, obviously, you know, you took your time away from your family on a weekend to go down there. So I'm sure that wasn't ideal, but um, not a fun drive either. Just no, no, no. I, I've never been to Tallahassee, but um, been to been to Clemson. Seemed a really, really cool college town. Um, I've never, I've never been to the Esso Club, but when I turn turn 21, I feel like I'm gonna have to go over there. I, is it? Yeah, you know, I know you're not from Clemson, but or I know you're in Columbia. So is the Esso Esso Club kind of a um, it's like a bar or just kind of a hangout type of place? Just you're gonna have to fill me in on that. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a it's a bar in slash hangout place. Um, it's just a place where a lot of it's usually a lot of the older um, people, not necessarily college students, that go there. Although college students go there a lot too, but it's it's a nice mix of crowd. Um, it's, it's it's a good place. They've got a nice beer selection. It's a lot of fun to, to go right. drink there. So definitely awesome. interested if you're ever back in town. Oh yeah, awesome. Yeah, I'll definitely have to check it out. But um back to the game real quick. I um I know you mentioned that Clemson put up thirty one points against Pitt in just the first quarter, and that was a week removed to, from Pitt beating Virginia Tech forty seven to fourteen, which was um a low point in Virginia Tech's season, probably a low point for Virginia Tech football. Um that's concerning for Virginia Tech to see. The line, I haven't checked it as of a few hours ago. I know it opened at like twenty two. Um I want to get your thoughts. Does Clemson cover that 22? Um, do, is it maybe a closer game than people think? And if we could get a pick out of you, um, we'd love to hear it. Yeah, I think I, w- I would probably think like a backdoor cover maybe for Virginia Tech. Uh, Clemson's backup defense hasn't hasn't been necessarily great this year. I do think Clemson will score a good bit of points, and I think Virginia Tech will score some points too. So maybe a, a backdoor cover um, they're able to, to cover late, but – yeah, I don't see Clemson having a, a ton of issue, uh, but I but I do think it'll be maybe a good game at least for a little bit. I'm I'm hoping so at least. And you know, I also think Clemson has the ACC championship game. Um, if they they beat Virginia Tech, they'll have that coming up too. So I don't think they're going to try to keep starters in and, and pile up stats. I think they'll be more concerned with getting a lead, putting the game away, and kind of getting getting out of uh, Blacksburg with a win and getting on home would be my guess. Yeah, absolutely, and I think. Um... You know, maybe even Clemson. I, I don't speak for them, but they'll probably miss the the inner sound. Now, the big debate is who has the better entrance, Clemson or <laughs> Virginia Tech. And obviously, it's a little bit easier, I assume, for Clemson to have the as close to as normal of an entrance as possible with some fans in the stands and be able to still run down the hill. I know they don't have all the students on the hill, but 
Virginia Tech, it's definitely weird to see Inner Sandman in front of pretty much empty bleachers, which I assume, you know, you'll you'll see this weekend. So um, Yeah, I was there the last time uh, Clemson played at Virginia Tech, and that was really cool. It was awesome to see you in person. It is, yeah, it is. Um, definitely miss the the fans in there this year. But um, no, thank you so much. Um, hopefully, well, for Virginia Tech fans, hopefully Virginia Tech's defense can be able to rebound a little bit and uh, stop Travis Etienne and Trevor Lawrence in the Clemson offense. But um, in the meantime, that's Matt Connolly from the state newspaper in Columbia covering Clemson football. Thanks so much for taking some time and uh, previewing Clemson, Virginia Tech. Yeah, no problem. Thank you all for having me. Thanks to Matt Connolly, who covers Clemson football for the state newspaper in beautiful Columbia, South Carolina, for coming on to, cle- to preview Virginia Tech Clemson. Um, Lance, just kind of going to want to get your thoughts before we move on to the hidden gems. Um, Virginia Tech Clemson is not the matchup everyone was hoping for at this time in the season, how Virginia Tech has played. Uh, maybe in a year where Tech is really good. Um, but 7.30, ABC primetime nonetheless. Let me get your thoughts oh, on I just hope we don't get embarrassed, really. I, I hope we make it somewhat respectful. And Kirk Herbstreit and Chris Fowler don't laugh at us on ABC 730 primetime slot. But um, I guess you never know. But Clemson seems pretty determined and pretty angry. And I would not be surprised if they came out and made a big statement. It seems like you know they need to win and win big to solidify their spot in the playoff if they were to beat Notre Dame in the championship. But, I mean, I, I guess you could say I'm looking forward to it. But, uh yeah, I don't know. I hope we don't get embarrassed. Yeah, I mean, it's always fun to play Clemson. I, I hope it's a close game. Um, like you said, I very well could see Clemson coming in here and maybe like maybe maybe Clemson scores within the first like two minutes. Tech goes down the field and ties it at seven, and Clemson just rolls the rest of the way. I could see that type of type of game. Like you said, they need a statement. They had kind of the first part of that defeating um, a decent pit team last week at home and then now they travel to Blacksburg it's just a shame like I'm kind of thinking back to Virginia Tech Clemson all the best all the, all the great matchups and Paul I know you talked about with Eric Mackley and how he hey, he broke a an eight-year-old's heart and make him America Stadium when they beat him in the AC championship but um obviously right. the, yeah it's all right so the I mean ACC championship 2016 Justin Fuente's first year I mean Virginia Tech's going down to tie the game I believe they got it inside like the 20-yard line maybe something yep. around there they they were close to tying the game and well not even tying the game they would have gone for two and if they made it they would have beaten Clemson uh, and, and Trayvon uh, McMillan missed a block on a blitz yeah, yeah they um and uh, Clemson eventually went on to win the national championship that year so um yeah I mean they could have stopped that from happening I mean I always respect Clemson's Clemson's program I like Dabo a lot and they they have good players and they seem to have a pretty good team well pretty good guys um so I always have a lot of respect for them obviously that one and then 2017 college game day was in, was here in blacksburg um virginia tech clemson clemson i mean it was somewhat close throughout the way but clemson controlled the game they won i believe it was 31 to 17 um 38 to 17 38 to 17 uh, 31 i think actually 31 to 17 yeah it was like, 31 yeah 31 to 17 okay okay so yeah i mean but they they controlled that game that's the one i was alluding to with uh, matt saying that they were just so, so fast to watch in person i mean there was pro after pro after pro on that team um it, it, they were they were a lot of fun to watch not necessarily from the virginia tech side but yeah just a lot of uh a lot of fun Virginia Tech Clemson memories. So maybe there'll be some more fun ones this week, even if they don't win the game. Um, keep it close. Keep it competitive. Give Justin Fuente some life. I know there's been rumors circul- circulating around Luke Fickle. I wouldn't wouldn't dive into that too much with the flight stuff. I mean, Cincinnati to Blacksburg, they're not stupid enough to do that. And during COVID, they're not. I mean, and 80s do their due diligence. I mean, they always do their due diligence no matter what's happening, even when Justin yeah, Fuente. I'd be very surprised if that was anything, but. Yeah, yeah. And Justin Fuente, I mean, when Justin Fuente flirted with Baylor last year, I mean, with Babcock did the same thing. I mean, it's just, it's how it is. Um, every single year, every AD is pretty much every AD, is, except maybe Alabama is doing that. So yeah. Alabama and Clemson, they're maybe the two that are not involved in that. But yeah, so Virginia Tech Clemson, 7.30, ABC, primetime kickoff. Typically, it would be a rockin' lane stadium. This year, it's not, obviously, because of COVID. But um, we will see what the Hokies can do. We'll get uh, more, some more an analysis on the game later for our picks of the week. But now it's time for our hidden gem presented by Beats by Georgia. 
You can find her on Instagram at Beads by Georgia. Hit her up if you want any jewelry, necklaces, earrings, anything like that for Christmas. Um, tell her we sent you. You'll get free shipping. Take advantage of that offer. Now, uh, my game last week, Houston and Tulsa was postponed. Lance, I'm trying to remember which one you did. Um, oh, Georgia Southern, Georgia State. You picked Georgia Southern to cover and Georgia State won. So you were you took the L last week. I didn't get a game, so I get two picks this week. But we're still tied four to four regardless. Lance, let me hear your hidden gem of the week. Uh, I'm going Maryland plus four at Michigan. Uh, both teams are terrible, but I'm never picking Michigan to cover ever again. So Maryland. Yeah, so here, all right, here's my first one. I'm going to go two group of five games, both in the American. Like I said, I said, okay, I, mm, Andrew Allegretta, I'm so sorry again. I've gone against Tulane twice. They've shown me the door twice. They've uh, handed it to me. I've gone 0-2 with picking Tulane. But I'm going to, maybe third time's the charm. I'm going to do it again. So Memphis at Tulane. As of now, this is as of the recording. So we will do it as of the line, as of when we recorded rather than, um, when the game actually starts, um, Memphis and Tulane, Tulane is favored by a point and a half. I'm going to pick Memphis to actually win that outright. Um, so i I think, uh, Memphis is going to get the win down in new Orleans. I think they've been an up and up and down team this season, but, um, I think the tigers are going to get it done for, for Justin Fuente, and Mike, Mike Norvell, who are struggling at two ACC schools. So, um, second one, Houston, I went to them last week, so I'm going to do it again. I'm going to go against Houston for the second straight week. Houston traveling to SMU, um, cross state of Texas. Houston's favored by a point and a half. I'm picking SMU to win outright. SMU had a horrible loss to a bad East Carolina team last week. East Carolina is up and coming for sure under Mike Houston, but they're still not very good. And SMU had no business losing that game. I mean, they were, I think they lost by 14, but they, they were down by, I think, four touchdowns at one point. So it was not pretty. So um, SMU. They're going to respond, picking them outright, picking Memphis outright um, for my hidden gems of the week. All right, coming up next, Garrett Murray, who helps our coverage at fifth quarter Virginia Tech, is going to come on and be our guest picker. Um, Let me update you on some standings. I'll update you on the overall standings when he comes on. But let me give you our standings from last week, just so we can shorten the time uh, leading up to Garrett. But Guess who was perfect last week? Carter Hill was. I went 7-0. and um, Now, granted, they didn't play three of those games. College football is just so crazy this year. It's so impossible to pick, like we were talking about before we started recording. Like, I mean, we don't know where these teams are going to end up. I have Virginia Tech playing Tennessee in the Gasparilla Bowl right now. But Tennessee has had some postponements, and we don't even know who they're going to play or if they're going to play. It's impossible to project. I mean, heck, we had we picked USC Colorado last week, and by the end of the week, Colorado was playing a completely different team in San Diego State, and that that's just crazy. I mean, Utah, Washington, the Apple Cup with Wazoo and Washington were supposed to be Friday night. That got axed. Tuesday, they schedule Utah, Washington. That ends up being the primetime game on ABC. Um, just, just. Just crazy, but um, like I said, I'll give you the overall standings when we hop on with Garrett. But right now, last week I went seven and zero, and Lance and our guest picker Paul Duncan, our producer, tied at five and two. So Garrett Murray's going to come on and do our picks of the week when we return from the Goblin Podcast, presented by Duncan Mazda in Blacksburg. All right, now back on the Goblin Podcast, presented by Duncan Mazda. It is time for your picks of the week. And we're pleased to be joined by Garrett Murray, who helps with our fifth quarter Virginia Tech coverage. Uh, Garrett, thanks for hopping on. Yeah, no problem, man. Yeah, yeah, we're glad to have you on. Help help pick. I know you do some good stuff for us. So um, I promised that we would give you our updated standings. I gave you all our standings from last week, where I went 7-0 and uh, due to postponements. Um, Lance and our guest, which was Paul, our, yeah, Paul man, Duncan, went five and two. Went I, five and two. I, I surprised myself. I surprised myself. So that that uh, brings our overall totals to I am seventy and twenty nine on the season. Nice. Our guest picker is sixty five and thirty four. So Garrett, you got to have a kind of kind of a good week. We're only we, we're down to about two weeks left in the season. Yeah, man. Um, and then Lance Lance is kind of falling behind at sixty two and twenty seven. Lance actually had something he had to go to immediately, so he had to run. So we got most of the podcast done with him, but um, our producer Paul is going to read off Lance's picks. He just of course, texted, of course, he just texted his <laughs> picks over. So um, 
we'll close it out with without Lance today. But um, one thing I want to say before we start, I mean, like I talked about crazy week with college football with all these postponements and games on Friday nights, Sunday nights, uh, Tuesday at 1030. Uh, I think Charlotte and Western Kentucky played at 1030 a.m. this week, which is crazy. What? It is what it is. What? That's early. <laughs> That's so crazy. I actually would like that. It's early morning. Football. Well, they're doing that. They they did that because Charlotte is playing a game on Saturday, so they couldn't play Tuesday night because that's too quick of a turnaround. I mean, arguably, it's too quick of a turnaround already. I mean, that's three days of rest. Yeah. But I think half their team's at it with COVID. So, I mean. Dang, that's crazy. But. All right. Let's get right into it. Um, Let's start out with the group of five. All right. College game day is going to Conway, South Carolina. The Liberty Flames are taking on in the AP. We haven't seen the college football rankings for this week um, as of the recording of this podcast, but the 14th ranked Coastal Carolina Shauna clears. Um, Garrett, I'll let you go ahead and pick this one first. Um, well, for this one, I know Coastal Carolina is undefeated, sitting at number 14, like you said, but I'm going to go Liberty. I think their quarterback is going to be too much for the Coastal Carolina defense to handle. Mm, interesting. That's, a, that's an interesting choice because uh, as Lance Weller's – uh, what do you call it? Speaker. Uh, he actually picked Coastal Big. And, I mean, I kind of agree with this, too. I don't think Liberty's as good as you may see him. I just think they had some good games. Yeah, I I think um, For sure. I'm going to go Coastal. I don't think they're a top 15 team in the country, but there's not really any other teams to put there. Um, Liberty, you know, Virginia Tech, they got kind of fortunate. NC right. State, they didn't get fortunate, I and mean, then that game could have gone either way as well. But they were—they should have lost one of those games. They probably Virginia Tech should have beaten Liberty, and they Liberty probably should have beaten NC State. So it evened out. Um, so I'm, I, but I'm going to go Coastal, and I don't—I don't think the Flames are as good as advertised. But all right, into the Big Ten, let's go Indiana and Wisconsin again. The this is still on as of the recording of this podcast. It changes every week. Garrett, I'll let you pick this one first too. Okay, so Wisconsin sitting at two and one at number. 16 unupdated. Um, I know Michael Penix for Indiana struggled last week, but I'm going with Indiana this week. I think he's going to have a big game. All right. Uh, I guess Wisconsin doesn't have Penix this week. Is that correct? Or Indiana doesn't have Penix. He's oh, out okay. Year. He plays for Indiana. Okay. So he uh, he picked Wisconsin because since they won't have Penix, he thinks Wisconsin's going to win. So I'm going to go Indiana. I, I, I really don't think uh, – Look, I, I honestly, I'm tempted to go Wisconsin without Michael Penix, but I, I think I'm still going to lean Indiana. I haven't seen Wisconsin enough to really pick them. I mean, they've had a lot of COVID issues. They've already had three games canceled, so I, I, I got to go the Hoosiers. I also think uh, Indiana's defense is pretty solid. They played pretty good against Ohio State, so I'm, I'd bank on, I'm banking on them. They did, especially in that third and fourth quarter. Yeah, they shut them down. All right, into the Big 12, we got some couple uh, middle-of-the-pack matchups. Let's go Oklahoma State and TCU. Garrett, go ahead. I'm going with Oklahoma State for this one. I know they're without – Chuba Hubbard's hurt, correct? Leg? I, I think he had an injury. I would ask Paul to look it up for us, but he's uh, he'd have to multitask. So I, I um, st- I'm still going Oklahoma State. I think it'll be too much for TCU. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, Lance actually didn't pick – Oklahoma State. Oh. This is Arizona State. Okay, so Oklahoma State, yeah. Oklahoma State. All right, he went Oklahoma State. All right, I'm going to go Oklahoma State too. Um Look, I think Gary Patterson's – I mean, he's a heck of a football coach. I don't think the talent's there this year. Um, Max, Dug- Max Duggan's been okay for TCU as their starting quarterback, but, I mean, I, I think Oklahoma State's going to be too much. And they they got to stay in a position to stay in the top 25 so they get a decent bowl game. So I'm going to give the Cowboys. All right, last one in the Big 12. Let's go West Virginia and Iowa State. Garrett, go ahead and pick this one. I'm going Iowa State. Brees Hall is going to be too much for the WVU uh, defense to handle. All right. Uh, Iowa State for Lance. Yeah, Lance is a big Neil Brown fan, but he's going to stick with Matt Campbell and the Cyclones. Same for me. I'm going to go Iowa State. Um, The Cyclones got a big win over Texas last week, and um, I think they're going to keep rolling. They're setting themselves up for a matchup with Oklahoma rematch with the Sooners in the Big 12 championship game and possibly a bit at the New Year's Six. So I think they're just on a runaway freight train. Matt Campbell setting himself up for another big payday. So I'm going to go the Cyclones. All right, now we're going to go into the Pac-12. The Pac-12 has had such a weird year. Who would know Colorado and Oregon State would probably be going to a bowl game right now? But here we are. But UCLA has been another surprising team. They're going to Tempe to face an Arizona State team that's only played one game because of COVID. I know it's going to be tough to pick, but Garrett, go ahead with this one. 
Um, I like Arizona State's coach, and it's in Tempe, so I'm going to go Arizona State for this one, even though we haven't seen a whole lot of either team this year. Yeah, uh, Arizona State as well. I'm a big fan of Arizona State, so yeah, Arizona State. Yeah, I mean, Chip Kelly's Bruins have looked to, have looked solid this year. They're sitting at 2-2 two and two right now, but they, they really haven't beaten anyone that's, you know, looked at as a power in the Pac-12, although there's not really many of those anyway. Came close to beating Oregon. Didn't get it done. I think Arizona State's finally going to want to get something going. Uh, I like Herm Edwards, and they're going to be hungry for a win, and they, they need it ASAP, so they're going to get it done this weekend at home. All right, in the SEC, we got an interesting matchup here. Texas A&M going to Jordan-Hare to face the Auburn Tigers. Garrett, go ahead. Uh, I've still got Texas A&M. You know, uh, Kellen Mond's played really good this year, and they've looked really solid, so I'm going Texas A&M. Yeah, Texas A&M as well. Lance is going Texas A&M. So am I. Um, Auburn. Lance is not a big fan of Bo Nix. He's oh, uh, yeah. he's making that he's <laughs> yeah. making that known. Um, me neither. Um, I'm high. I was high on Auburn's defense for a while. They got um, fried last week. They did get fried last week. Bo Nix, I think, in my opinion, is the most overrated quarterback in all of college football. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, they were absolutely destroyed in Tuscaloosa, even without Nick Saban. I don't see them beating up on uh, the the fifth-ranked Texas A&M Aggies. They've looked very yeah. solid all year long. So, yeah. A&M. All right, last one, the SEC. Speaking of Bama, they're traveling to Bayou to face the LSU Tigers, the defending national champs. They haven't had a great year this year, but they're kind of starting to get going. Does Bama Is Bama still going to go on the road and get it done? Uh, absolutely. Mac Jones and Devontae Smith, Najee Harris, this is going to be too much for LSU. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, Bama big over LSU. Big, big. That's what Lance says, yes. Um, yeah, I'm going to agree. Alabama is going to go into LSU. Um, they're not going to be happy with uh, what happened last year in Tuscaloosa. And I, I just don't think uh, – I don't think I don't think LSU is going to have the star power to keep up with Alabama. And I know, like I said, they've been playing a lot better. But, I mean, Alabama's in just a whole other league, so – and considering um, Mac Jones is a Heisman front runner right now too, so. he is. Although I'd probably go Kyle Trask. I don't know yeah, about you. I'm that may be Kyle Trask. that may be a debate for later. But all right, into the ACC, we got three good games for you here. This is probably one of the ones I'm most looking forward to seeing. Boston College travels to Charlottesville to face Virginia. Garrett, go ahead. I'm going Boston College. I like uh, Boston College quarterback Drakovic. I think he's pretty solid. Yeah, uh, Lance got UVA. I kind of I kind of side with that as well. UVA. God, this game's a pick 'em. This game's a pick 'em for me. I, I would I would never bet on this game, but I don't know. Jerkovic hasn't been playing as well the last few weeks, and Virginia seems to kind of get it going. Has finally seemed to kind of get it going. So I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Wahoos to edge out the Eagles in a close one in Charlottesville. All right, this is another good one. Georgia Tech traveling to Raleigh. Georgia Tech's been playing a lot better recently. They had like a 28 day layoff, and they came they played a great game against Duke, although Duke's not really fantastic. But they're going up to Raleigh to face NC State, who's had a very solid year. Garrett, go ahead and pick this one. I'm going NC State. I know Hawkman wasn't the um, number one quarterback option for the Wolfpack, but I'd, I'd go NC State with this one for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, NC State as well. They've been looking pretty well. Yeah, I'm going to go NC State too. Um, Jeff Collins has got it going in Atlanta, but you know, I, I think uh, it's it's another year. And Dave Doran at NC State, I think he's going to win ACC Coach of the Year, and I don't think he's going to get upset by Georgia Tech at home. All right, the big one, our game. <laughs> um, the big one in quotation marks. Um, yeah. Clemson traveling to Virginia Tech to face the Hokies, 7.30, primetime ABC in Lane Stadium. Garrett, let's uh, hear this one. Uh, you know, I got a Virginia Tech, but I'm I gotta go Clemson on this one. Trevor Lawrence is just he's gonna be way too much for us, as well as ETN. I don't think I mean, you know maybe first half we could hold with them, but eventually they're just gonna pull away big time. Yeah, uh, Lance says Clemson by a hundred, and by a hundred <laughs> he means hundred to zero. So uh, Lance is clearly thinking the Clemson's gonna have he a says, uh, prime time yeah, butt kick. He says, "quote Clemson by a hundred dot 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 a hundred to nothing that is um he's <laughs> trying to be he, close he, he he picked uh pit to win by 100 too so he would be um and he hadn't picked tech to lose a game before that so um he's clearly um going with the tigers in this one and i gotta agree with him um like you said garrett i agree with you i think like i said earlier on in the podcast 
I think this game may be – I could see Clemson going down and scoring like their opening drive at 7 nothing. Tech responds, goes down to tie at 7 nothing. It's like a 20-7 to game at halftime, and then Clemson just goes off in the second half. That's where I think it's going to unravel. Um, another thing, I um, Dabo Sweeney, and I'll hit on this a little bit, Dabo Sweeney does a lot better job of coaching as well. So it's it's definitely – the first half could be close, but I think the second half, you know, Trevor Lawrence is going to take over and it's just going to become kind of embarrassing. Yeah, I, and and maybe um, like we talked about with, with uh, Matt earlier on, I think – Tech maybe will cover just because Clemson, you know, puts in some guys for garbage time at the end. But yeah, no, uh, I'm going to go Clemson. Hopefully, Virginia Tech can keep it close. I'm looking hopefully to hopefully seeing a competitive game. Um, mm-hmm. Luckily, Virginia Tech basketball is like we talked about earlier. They're they're Doing riding good. pretty strong right now. So um, Mike you Young, he's way up he's, in the polls on that one. Yeah, Mike Young, he's getting it done. Which, by the way, we didn't touch on this earlier in the podcast. And since Lance isn't here, I'll, I'll use you, Garrett. But um, Virginia's still ranked above Virginia Tech, and I got some problems with that. I mean, Virginia mm-hmm. just lost to San Francisco, San Francisco. lost to yes, Rhode Island. Terrible, terrible loss. I, you know, UVA, UVA basketball is UVA basketball. It's painful to watch because they pay, play so slow. But uh, no, I definitely think we can beat them this year, no doubt. I yeah. think they're overrated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I and it's funny. I, I tweeted this out the other day, but. Virginia always refers to Virginia Tech as the chokies, but in reality, they have the two biggest upsets. They're on the losing end, the two biggest upsets in college basketball. Yeah, and history. we have six wins in the past couple of years against top five opponents. Exactly. So. Chaminade in the 1980s in Hawaii. You remember that one, Paul? I, I remember yeah. I read about it a long time yeah. ago. Yeah, you were there, Paul. You I was there? <laughs> I, the cameras just weren't on, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then obviously UMBC. So, um, yeah, that's that's another one to touch on. Um, Garrett, before you hop off, I do want to. We didn't talk about this, but you know, Quincy Patterson. You know, he's headed out. Mm-hmm. I think that was widely yep. speculated. Um, yeah. I, you know, obviously, yeah. I love Quincy. He's he's a great guy. I've met him a couple of times. Nothing, nothing too big, but he's he's he just seems like a great guy. And I really don't think he's one of those guys to just pack it up when he's not playing. I mean, obviously, he's stuck around for a while, and it sounded like from Justin Fuente's comments that. Quincy was planning on sticking around the rest of the year if he hadn't gotten hurt against Pittsburgh, um, which would have caused him to probably miss the rest of the season anyway, which they just revealed today. But, um, yeah, Quincy Patterson, he's leaving sad to see him go, but um, hopefully Virginia Tech can maybe pull off a, the, ups, the upset of the century. That would be a heck of a week for – a heck of a two weeks for Virginia Tech Athletics. Yeah, Virginia Tech somehow won this and week. And to add something to the Quincy thing, I saw this coming a while ago. Um you know, he's he's a good runner, but he, he lacks in the passing game a little bit. And we, we, we understand that. He almost won us the game in South Bend uh, last year. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was definitely coming. He wasn't playing a whole lot. And I think, you know, he's been here for quite a while. And I think it's time for him to move on find a school that's going to utilize his talents in a better way. Yeah, and I think Tech will miss him as a person. He's a great football yeah, player. But in sure. reality, when he was – the third string quarterback. I mean, he was not going to get the reps that he wanted and Hendon right. Hooker has taken this job by storm. One of the few bright spots for Virginia tech this season has been Hendon Hooker. Hendon and Herbert. Yeah. Him and Herbert. I, I Hendon Hooker's blossoming into a, a top three quarterback in the ACC once Trevor Lawrence is gone. Yeah. Um, if so, um, he's got to keep grinding, but listen, Garrett, thanks so much for hopping on and uh, helping talk Virginia tech football and picking some games. Yeah, man. Appreciate y'all having me. Garrett Murray, who helps with our fifth quarter Virginia Tech coverage, for coming on to pick some games. We look forward to keeping track of our totals and sharing them with you all. Um, like I said, Lance is gone. Um, so Virginia Tech Clemson, it's just Paul and I, Goblin with HQ. Virginia Tech Clemson this Saturday, uh, 7.30 p.m. Eastern ABC, primetime, Chris Fowler, Kirk Street on the call. Um, Virginia Tech basketball this evening. VMI, 8 p.m. ACC Network, and then they'll return next Tuesday against Penn State, 9 o'clock on ESPNQ. So, um, and then Virginia Tech women's basketball tomorrow against Appalachian State um, on the ACC Network. So, extra, ACC Network, extra. Um, Lance isn't here, so weekend slate, I'm doing the best I can. Ohio State, Michigan State, noon, ABC. Texas A&M, Auburn, noon, ESPN. Um, 
Liberty Coastal, 2 o'clock on ESPNU, weird time. Florida, Tennessee probably won't be a game. 3.30, CBS. Indiana, Wisconsin, 3.30, ABC. West Virginia, Iowa State, 3.30, ESPN. And then you got, obviously, Clemson, Virginia Tech, 7.30, ABC. Alabama, LSU, 8 o'clock on CBS if that game is not super enjoyable. So um, that will do it for us here on uh, the Gobble Up Podcast presented by Duncan Mazda in Blacksburg. Huge thanks to Duncan for being our sponsor. Paul Duncan is our producer. Lance Weller, who is at home in Apex, North Carolina, um, is my co-host. And I'm Carter Hill, a co-host and contributor to Fifth Quarter. Enjoy the rest of your week, everyone. Enjoy your college football Saturday, your college basketball week, and yeah, big sports week. Hopefully Virginia Tech can get it done. Um, and uh, that's going to do it for us here at the Gobble Up HQ. You're listening, up, you're listening to the Gobble Up Podcast presented by Duncan Mazda in Blacksburg. Have a great week, everyone. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Gobble em Up Podcast a podcast a part of the Fifth Quarter Sports Network and presented by Duncan Mazda in Blacksburg. A special continuous thanks goes out to our graphic designer, Molly McPherson, our announcer and current voice of the Tulane Green Wave and former voice of Virginia Tech women's basketball and baseball, Andrew Allegretta, and of course, our main editor and producer, Paul Duncan. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time.